Experience the Jared difference. The best prices on an amazing selection. Select your diamond gift today from hundreds of styles they're sure to love. Jared. Love brilliantly. My name is Tracy Ariel, and I am unapologetically Canadian. Today, I am speaking to uh, one of the leaders behind Southwest United Mission uh, Church and the Mission Downtown, uh, also somebody who's on Anglo Family Council and uh, all, uh, an all-around uh, great guy. Uh, here he is. I'm David Lepineski, and I came to Verdun when there was Verdun United Church and Crawford Park United Churches in 1998 looking for a bilingual minister because they wanted someone to both serve the congregations, English-speaking, but serve their French neighbors. And it's the only church advertisement I saw that wanted a bilingual person, which I was. So I came to Verdun. And Where were you coming people. from? I came from a fundamentalist background. I was uh, raised in a more uh, Pentecostal Baptist model of church and evolved towards the... Um, more reformed, Reformation, Protestant, more mainline church. I was coming out of a French Presbyterian church in Rosemount. Uh, I was coming out of the closets slowly and feeling that my orientation was an issue for some. And I uh, really felt when I said, here in Verdun, who's not welcome? And they said, what? Everyone's welcome. I thought, oh, there might be hope for me to simply be David right. in, uh, in this context. And that was in 1998? So 1998, I've been here, how many years is that? 17 years? Oh, yeah, year, wow. I'm to my 18th year. So I came for a ministry to uh, what was existing at the time, a large building on Woodland, Verdun United, Crawford was a smaller building, about 225 in uh, regular worship uh, between those two congregations, vibrant outreach, uh, alive to neighborhood, a sense of not united church affiliation as much as just we, we serve our neighbors however we can. We are marriages, baptisms. Uh, at that time, there were uh, efforts, a collective kitchen and uh, Christmas baskets. But it really, there was a clear sense the neighbor was at the, at the heart right. of what ministry was about. And since then, I mean, in 18 years, the evolution is pretty incredible. We're actually sending in a space in Verdun Elementary where just yesterday there was a there was a community lunch there was a um, what do you call the good the good food basket good food family yeah. good food family and there was the mini market all oh in one goodness. day and then there was teen cuisine after that <laughs> a big long day yeah so it's a funny uh, it's a crazy evolution actually it's it's kind of when your heart has to choose in the contractions of decline whether you let contractions become, um, how do you call that? After the contraction, then it's, it's the growth of the heart. It, it, it expands. And as painful as the process is, we went through many years of questions looking at our ministry, at money, at building, and thinking God's given us an, with an inheritance from our forefathers and mothers in faith. Uh, they've invested in building, and we said, you know, we can do better than just heat a building. We can be more active in our community. It took many years, 
but in 2007, two congregations joined together, agreed to sell the bigger building, which cost about $37,000 to heat a year, and we felt it was just too too much for a one-hour or a limited use, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't a building that could have adapted easily to community use at that time. So we sold, we took money, we invested that money, and we were without a home for the office and outreach, and the principal of the local school said, hey, we have room. And we went to Lester B. Pearson, who said, we'll make a partnership with a rental space uh, that you pay, but the partnership will include working with our youth and food needs and clothing needs. We're in a, well, it could be a defavorized community here. You know, it's like um, a coded, the yeah, school's like an inner city school. There's right. lots of needs uh, at various, various levels. And uh, we said, yeah, we can handle that. So it really, we were defined in coming into this space by um, the community and what are the needs of the community. And this is now 207, we're 2016, so nine years. Um, it's, we gave up our, an address. We came to a school in the corner of Melrose and Verdun. Our official address is through the school to reach our office with mail. Uh, but last week, the mailman tried to deliver mail at 631, which is a totally illegal address. So hopefully no one from Post Canada is listening. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's because uh, that's our number. So a taxi can pick up a senior or right. get something delivered. But it's not a real number because there's, no, n- address there's no address. And what a good model. I like that. <laughs> no address. No we'll address. Use an address. Just well, you do have an address because you still have the church on the other side. We kept we kept our smaller of the two churches. So Crawford Park became a Southwest uh, Church building, and this became the mission. And so we're still two locations, which has kind of been our tradition for for decades. Um, the office is out of the school in the former nurses' office. Um, Breakfast club. It was one of the first things that happened in this, with the school because the needs of children eating every morning. So it's a tri-partnership, Breakfast Clubs of Quebec, which is now Breakfast Club of Canada, the school, and the mission. So our volunteers, we put a kitchen in the mission space um, at our, our expense, so about $30,000 that we put that money in, um, always with the blessing of the, the board, of the school board, and uh, have felt really a good relationship overall. Uh, with the board because of this end of the Leicester View, which is the furthest east, this school, mm-hmm. in their whole uh, territory. And of all their schools, I would say, as I said earlier, it's kind of an inner city school. So it's not quite the norm of what West Island's about. Right. And um, it's, it's recognized that we can better do this together in a community model. Right. And now one of the things you had mentioned is, um, when I've talked to you in previous times, that uh, you have a vision for taking this forward to combine the two, uh, the two communities, because you really have a worship community and a community you serve, which includes many of the volunteers actually come from the community you serve, too. I mean, it's a, yes. it's a really unique um, collection of yeah. people. And, and uh, you were talking about how moving forward your vision was much more united, which is really kind of interesting since that's the name of the organization you work for. I mean, it was, uh, yeah. And, and that's yeah. The, both the challenge and the strength. So how do you, as one individual, one leader, um, encompass those two very di- distinct missions? I mean, you could be two organizations if you wanted to be. 
We could be. Um, I mean, when we put up uh, two stained glass windows in the school uh, at the mission, the Good Samaritan and the Lost Sheep, we, we kept those because we felt their message was kind of an inclusive message. I mean, who's my neighbor? Uh, who is the other? And that story of the Good Samaritan helping, uh, caring for the lost sheep, you know, who's, who's not included, who's on the edge of society or uh, who can't read the sign, the invitation you're sending, who, who's not eating well because they can't get out of their apartment and get to the healthy food choices, um, who's alone when they die. I mean, very... So, you know, when we put those stained glass in this building, uh, in a public building, we're very conscious of kind of the juxtaposition of, 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 of what church and people of faith and what uh, social justice or outreach and how those are almost in some way, um, they're paradoxes and yet they are, our motivation is to transform. I mean, my I want to convert everyone to healthy eating to healthy living, to healthy choices, to healthy lifestyle. I don't have to speak of that as a religious conversion, but yes, we want to bring change and transformation out of a message that we have lived as transformative. Um, so our sense of faith in God and Jesus, whom we follow as Christians, has never prevented us from having a Quran on our communion table at the church. When people were bashing Muslim brothers and sisters, we said, hey, come to the Imam, we read from the Quran, from the Bible, we exchanged Quran and Bible, and we've kept ours on our communion table. And in fact, when it was stolen last year from someone who said, probably, what's it doing in a Christian church? Because mm -hmm. Christians have fundamentalists like everywhere else. Um, and our response was to buy a new one through a Muslim family and rededicate it, put it back, to remind us we don't possess truth, we're seeking after truth. And unless we try to transform our community together, with school, with CLSC, uh, with mosque, with Christian church, uh, any group and every group willing to take the risk of a generous love uh, and use space for community without it being contingent on uh, faith adhesion or, or allegiance or adherence. Uh, so ours is a very alive faith. Maybe one day we have church mission in one spot. It could maybe be, it would be relieving some headaches. But in other ways, how exciting can you get to be probably the only, as we hear it, the only school in Canada where a public school has a faith group uh, that is committed to transformational models and community models of working together. That's amazing. So in one sense, maybe it's still a good place to be because the energy is there. We have respect of others. Kids today going to the manoir, 250 Christmas cards, homemade, recycled, singing, giving out those cards. And they're looking at me and said, the kid said, how do I call you? And I said, well, I'm a minister. I'm Reverend David. I'm a community leader. So I'm David. Oh, he said, I'll call you Mr. David, he said. So I guess that's <laughs> what they call teachers. <laughs> and I was realized, I just thought that was kind of cute, right? Yeah. That, you know, what do you call leadership? Well, if it's transformative leadership, it's probably going to change its name over a period of time, which has been true for me. Has been true for you. What do you mean? Well, the fact that I came as Reverend David, and then we opened ourselves to more French ministry, and then I came out as a gay man when I took a Verdun nine-year-old as a foster son, and the mother accused me of being that ped a pedophile. 
And I'm going, I guess I better talk to the elders and leaders of the church. I don't want them to hear that at IGA on Ballantyne. Right. And uh, I did, and the eldership said, oh, you're our minister, and uh, we called you here. We, we believe in your ministry. You're our leader, so you stay. And when 15 people left, that was about 2001, so it was quite a few years ago, um, they left for various reasons. But uh, the majority of the congregation, and to this day, has simply been supportive, and I'm just David, including my sexual orientation, and including being a foster parent, a musician, a gardener, and yes, I'm the minister and community leader. So it's the evolution of what kind of adaptive leadership over time. You know, we can't stay the same. Right. And if, we, if our title's the same and same job description for the last 20 years, I might be a little worried, whether that's a teacher, administrator, preacher, parent, because we should be evolving. We should be changing, growing, and rising to new challenges. So in terms of, you were saying that my name of my podcast is funny because it's unapologetically Canadian. What do you think of when you hear the word Canadian? Oh, my Lord. I'm in Quebec. I came 30, whatever, more than 30 years ago. From? Had, uh, from Ontario, southern okay. Ontario. I learned French. My first 18 years were en français, complètement en français. Then I went into more bilingual. Uh, I'd say I use my French here. Uh, probably half half of my work is now in French. Um, anything relating to the public is done in French. Anything we do, we do bilingually in our paperwork, in our invitations. We try to do much in our, our worship, uh, weddings, by, of course, baptism in, in language of choice. Um, for me, I won't tell you how I voted in certain referendums, but I would have stayed no matter the decision. Because my roots here of these decades are not relating to Quebec uh, Quebec versus Canada, but rather, I mean, I'm a convert. I learned my French, I'm Francophile. Um, I understand minority status. I understand that as a gay man or as a single parent or a single foster parent. Um, and I, I understand the fight that it takes and the courage it takes to have a vibrant culture in the sea of English in North America um, and to be disconnected from Europe, sort of its origins, and, and yet to, and to have such a vibrant, rich, and different history. So I celebrate it, and I think the common language where I live in Quebec is French. So the common language should be always bonjour to everyone. And then you switch into whatever language, including English, you might uh, want to speak. Um, and even now, I would say, uh, um, in our recent election in Verdun, um, the candidates all kind of came by the mission, and I'm Anglo Family Council president, so I know they were kind of looking for some Anglo English inroads uh, <laughs> or votes. Um, so you talk to everyone, and I'm fairly apolitical, and I know the 26 for the turkey meal that our new deputy of uh, the liberal deputy just won the election provincially uh, will be coming. Monsieur Langlais, who is the PQ candidate, uh, is probably going to bring some desserts. And uh, maybe our uh, Veronique, who was the... Um, uh, Action de la no. Or uh, Commerce. Um, not, um, no, no, no. Uh, Veronique. Uh, She's uh, Francois David. Yes. Um, Same party. We're at, we're is it called? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, whatever it's you called. You know what? It's, it's like, you know, they all came, there you are. They all came by, and they, it's part of our community. And I'd say with an English now sitting as the minority in Verdun, 
Um, there's a lot of needs, and you see us in Quebec. There's so many needs and changes. But what's fundamental, I feel, is um, we serve, we work together, we build bridges towards each other, we cross-pollinate uh, where we can, and we don't stand on some political agenda. So my long response is to say, I'm Canadian. I'm not even a monarchist. So the Queen, if that's going to throw off certain people, I'm thinking, I'm not even a monarchist. So I'm kind of going, for me being Canadian, is, 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 is the generosity I, I, I believe in as a Canadian. Um, as being a Quebecois adopted, I feel such a privileged place, really, in Quebec. Very integrated. And I want, I want my, the English experience to be an integrated into a dynamic Quebec. Not excluded from, right. but included within. So that's a lot of work. And I would say that's probably where I'm at. Hmm. I don't know if That's I answered cool. your question. You answered with a definition of what you think Canadian is, so that's hmm. good. <laughs> and I have to think of it more because how I vote really is determined by The how, interesting thing is know. I don't think, I mean, one of the things, I don't think of myself as a Canadian based on how I vote. No. For me, it's because I believe in Canada as a big idea, in federalism and the fact that diversity connects yeah. And the fact that um, you actually, Canada is stronger when every separate part of it is stronger. So moving to Quebec was very easy for me because it's not just where my roots are from, but for me, the idea of a strong Quebec within a strong Canada and a strong Ontario. I mean, Ontario, northern Ontario would love to separate from southern Ontario. Like, there's separation movements all over the country, and I just don't think it separates anything from the fact that we can all be Canadian anyway. I agree with you because fundamentally what I hear you saying, that's what we're trying to live in Verdun, a strong community, a community yeah. de base. If the base community is healthy, respected, alive, doing well, feeling engaged, even if they're not in agreement with policies, politics, but if they're feeling invited to the table, uh, they're able to eat, find jobs, get to school, learn, educate their kids, uh, be bilingual, trilingual, or, or, or however, however many languages, a strong Newfoundland, Labrador, a strong Quebec, a strong West. Uh, from, I agree with that, that that creates a stronger whole. I would still affirm uh, in the history of founding peoples, the First Nation of uh, British and French, that there's something very unique in that history when you look across the country, but if you come into Quebec, uh, you, you can't deny it. You know, that we have some aspects of that history that are very particular, and so they should be. Um, and just recognize them, celebrate them, keep it flowing towards a generosity. And when you have to make a decision, if I ever had to make a decision, I would be. Uh, well, we do where have to occasionally. <laughs> Maybe. That's a different thing. Anyway, yeah. thank you very much, David. You're I appreciate all your much. time. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Unapologetically Canadian. This episode was brought to you by Tangerine, the best value bank for Canadians. Use my orange key, 184345s one to open your account today.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.